Hey guys, before we hop into this episode, me and Josh just want to let you know that this episode is a little bit longer and we want to give you guys a sensitivity warning. Yeah, there's going to be a good bit of mention of drugs, violence, alcohol, everything like that. So if you're sensitive to any of those things, this might not be the episode for you. But for all of our normal listeners, it does come to a great ending. We hope you guys enjoy. What's going on, Juvie listeners? Welcome back to another Juvie Saturday. Over 100 episodes at this point. We're so excited to bring you guys another one. You guys, if you're listening on any audio platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, we're top 80 in the country. Let's go top 50. Hit that download button. Leave us a five-star review and share this video with a friend. If you're watching on YouTube, be in those first 10,000 subscribers. We're growing rapidly over there. Can't wait for today's episode. Josh, who are we talking with today? Today, we're actually talking with one of my coworkers who we've been so excited to talk with for such a long time. He is our first ever guest on Juvie who's been to Juvie. So today, we're uh, going to get the whole jail, prison, Juvie experience. Um, everybody, welcome Dom. Hi, I'm Dom. How's it going? How's your day going? Good, man. It's a good one. It was a busy one. We're right here. It's a comfortable chair. <laughs> love that playing yeah so yeah. Be- before we hopped on the show you said that you've been invited on other podcasts but we're the first yeah. one you've said yes to yeah. why'd you say yes to juvie first um i watched your guys's clips and i think that like whenever people i don't think it's a bad thing that it's intense when people mm-hmm. you know talk about transformation and all yeah. that it's, it's a dope thing but it's oftentimes a little too intense for me and we mm-hmm. forget like there's a lot of funny stories in there too. True. You know, there's other people involved and watching your guys' clips, it just seemed really genuine, human, funny at times. Um, the idea that it's focused on like younger people too is kind of fun for me because yeah. it just seems a little less like political, yeah. a little less like agenda, you know, and we can just like have a conversation, talk about it influence people encourage make people laugh i'm all about that so. love it that's what we love as yeah well. dude this was a hundred percent yes yeah we love Easy that yes um so for anybody who doesn't know you do you want to give a quick um introduction who you are name age everything like that yeah um i'm dom dominic whichever you would prefer i'm 25 i work at theory with josh we sling beans we do um i'm married um i have a wife named andrea she's the coolest Shout out to Andrea, love of my <laughs> life. Um, we have a dog named oh, Maddie. What kind of dog? He is a giant schnauzer, giant schnoodle. Hmm. Is what kind of mix is that? Um, a schnauzer and poodle mix. Love it. He's That's gorgeous. Awesome. We have a cat. He's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so you say you're more of a dog guy than a cat guy? Absolutely, or as it should be. I am, but you know, I love, I love the cat man. Yeah. His name's Nelly. We have Nelly and Maddie. Let's go, Nelly. That's awesome. I know. Well, I think our goal for today's episode is really just to tell your life story up until your age right now. And we're going to take it back to square one here. So as a kid growing up, what the childhood scene look like? Yeah. Um, I am from Indiana. I'm a Midwestern boy. Um, I would say that I had a pretty classic Indiana Midwestern childhood. Um, I was adopted. So that was you know, obviously interesting. Um, my parents are some of the coolest people in the world. I love them. Um, they put a lot of their energy into loving me, loving my siblings. Um, pretty big sports, you know, family, Mm -hmm. a lot of, um, growing up. I didn't like the social aspect of short of sports. I wasn't a like 
very social kid. Yeah. You know, I, I preferred the indoors mm -hmm. and reading video games. I was obsessed with TV and movies yeah. when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, it was pretty, pretty normal childhood. I have a little brother named Dawson. Um, he's grown to be probably one of my best friends in the That's whole world. Awesome. So love that. Love him. Little sister, Caitlin and her husband, Riley. They're super awesome too. Um, but yeah, pretty normal childhood yeah. for the most part. So did your parents adopt all of your siblings or were you? No, they, um, honestly, they had, uh, miscarriages before mm -hmm. adopting me. And so they were trying to, um, and then, um, my biological parents approached them mm. after they had their third miscarriage and asked if they wanted to adopt me. Okay. And they were obviously, you know, like, we just lost a child, like, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, um, but, uh, my dad told me, you know, as he like met with his, you know, mentors or whatever, they were like, I don't know, man, like you guys are praying for a child. It yeah. kind of seems like this is, you know, God trying to provide you a child. Yeah. So they adopted me. And what, then, how, yeah. what age were you when you got adopted? Um, I was, um, taken home from the hospital. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. So I was okay. adopted so pre -birth like, adoption. family. Yeah. Okay. okay. So gotcha. they like got to take me home from the hospital wow. and everything. Mm -hmm. And then it became official, you know, like six months later. Um, and then, yeah, kind of crazy, but 10 months later, my sister comes along. Wow. You know, three years later, little Dawson comes along That's and awesome. those three kids that were lost, you know, God, you know, provided. Oh, so you, you were the first kid. I you was the first, man. Oh, I love that. I know. That's really awesome. Kind of wild. So you said growing up, video games, books, movies. What were you playing on the sticks as a kid? What was it? Play when I, So when I was a kid, my first thing was Nintendo 64. Okay. okay. I just remember being obsessed with like the motocross game. That was before yeah. our time. <laughs> oh, just a little bit though. But then the PlayStation 1. Okay. Yeah. Out. Okay. Oh, bro. And that was like... That was that it. was it. The, the the original GTA on PlayStation One. I wasn't allowed to play those. Really? I'm yeah. still not allowed to my to this day. Really? My mom has heard too much bad about it. Dude, honestly, <laughs> she ain't wrong. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, the only time I've ever played it was with Ali, like last year, because <laughs> she still has it on her PlayStation One. <laughs> that is um, funny. But yeah, so when at what point did you start maybe going down a path that led you yeah. to where you went? Um, dude, honestly, I mean, I'm not much older than you guys. Honestly, I don't really view myself as like a, but I think, I think that, you know, terms like ADHD, bipolar, they're a little bit more common mm -hmm. these days, mm -hmm. right? It's sure. a little less, um, well, I, I just say it's appreciated a little more, right? Like yeah. it's something that people nowadays go a little bit more out of their way to either help kids with. It's not as weird. Some people even like it's a little trendy these days. Sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it wasn't like that when I was a kid, you know? And so um, I was first diagnosed with ADHD. Um, my mom will probably correct me if she listens to this. <laughs> I, I think around like eight, nine, okay. um, as well as bipolar. Um, so obviously the medication from that, I think, really messed with me. I, uh, was a super scrawny kid mm. right when i was up until being diagnosed with bipolar okay. medication messed me up and destroyed my metabolism so mm. i gained a bunch of weight mm. i'm in like elementary school you know yeah so it's like a awkward time to gain a bunch of weight yeah um and then obviously having those two things messed with me in a lot of ways i think that 
I had some really awesome teachers. I had some teachers that would just like go way out of their way um, yeah. up through high school to help me. But there was also a lot of teachers that like they don't really care. Yeah, I was yeah. Just annoying. You know, yeah. I was just annoying. Um, so I would say like when I think about it, I kind of look back to then. You know, probably fourth, fifth grade. Um, really was when a lot changed what kind of kid were you in school were you the studious kid you playing sports or just the class clown dude i was a class clown bro. okay yeah dude i man school was horrible i hated school <laughs> so too. much yeah. dude i lived for just being around the girls <laughs> class clowning recess yeah. so you know what's interesting about the class clown is like through social media now you see like the class clown when they go home then they're sad how how realistic was that in 100%. these middle school yeah 100 dude i hated um I think I th I was definitely depressed. I definitely lived for, you know, either entertainment. It was like entertainment, food, and making people laugh. Those mm -hmm. were like, so if I wasn't doing one of those things, I was like depressed. I didn't know what to do. So many thoughts going on in my head, man. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like to be alone. Um, hated homework. Holy crap. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I hated homework. I, I probably didn't do a bit of homework from fourth grade up until i got kicked out of high school i didn't mm. do a lick of homework yeah. i hated it so it was very much like that you know yeah um i was also a liar mm. lied lied okay. my face off all the time when i was a kid what do you think that came from oh i just didn't like who i was mm. you know a lot of people i think um blame like tv and movies for that obviously it can be a contributor for yeah. sure but i think i just didn't like I had like the weight of the world on my shoulders, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like that classic kid pressure to be um, a world changer, but you're yeah. like nine, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I would like lie to girls about like having superpowers, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, just like the dumbest but, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Were you just never going to show them? Yeah. Okay. Like, I have super speed, but I can't show you because I'd have to kill you. You know, type stuff. Yeah. But it was like. But it really came from me, like, not liking who I was and yeah. feeling like I should be something greater than just, like, a kid. Yeah, because if you start telling other people that, maybe you'll start to believe it. Dude, and then you're like, saying, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. it would kind of, I'd go home and be like, do I? You know, <laughs> no. is that why I feel that way? Like, uh, no, I was I was the same way in school. I was literally telling you about this earlier, Ali. When um, I was, one day I was biking to school and I was like, people probably find me boring, so I'm going to come up with a crazy story. I said that I saw a bear... And then a deer started chasing me and it chased me for like a mile all the way to school. And that like, if the deer, I was like scared that the deer was going to spook the bear and then the bear would start chasing me. Yeah. And I just made this up. Yeah. And then I was like, and then I fell off my bike and got back up and like yeah. ran back. And I was like, I don't know why I just made that up out of nowhere. <laughs> That's like the dumbest lie ever. But yeah. There was like a weird identity. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and then I'd, I'd finally get attention for people yeah. to be like, whoa, that That's happened. <laughs> so that was, I was that kid that would get caught up in a lot of those and lost track of what was true and what yeah. wasn't and very much that class clown that went home and yeah. was depressed. Were there any pranks that you pulled in middle school that you still think of to this day? Dude, you know, I was actually never really a prankster. Okay. That was not something that I ever I don't know if, I don't know why I never really got into pranking. I mean I like to make people uncomfortable, I think was my thing <laughs> jokes. Okay. Just saying what and maybe you've experienced this at work a little bit. I just like to say what Everyone's thinking. Yeah. Everybody's thinking. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe not. It just makes people uncomfortable. So I was that kid that would like just say the say the most weird, awkward things. But Dom I, is still very much the class clown at theory. That's true. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know why I'm not a good prankster. 
Mm. That's the truth. When pranks come up, I'm kind of like, I don't really know. I don't really know what to do. <laughs> That's too good. I, I like to consider myself a kind of a prankster, but they don't really work most of the time. I mean, it's hard to pull it off. It's yeah, it's tough. Really yeah. Okay, so we're in middle school. You get diagnosed with ADHD. You get on the medications. We know you're the class clown. So after this is happening in school and you're coming home, what's the home situation look like? Are your parents like, Dom, why are you not doing your homework? Mm-hmm. Or could they understand? Man, they tried. I, looking back, in the moment, I didn't think they were trying to understand. Yeah. You know? Um, looking back, they definitely tried to understand, and they did everything that you know. Um, if it was like, oh, this works for them, let's try that. Mm. You know. Um, I remember like I always struggled to wake up for school. Yeah. And honestly, if you didn't wake me up, I just wouldn't go. Mm. I'd just sleep in. So my like mom read somewhere that kids with bipolar wake up better. If they don't have a fan blowing on them. Okay. okay. Dumb stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So then she'd start turning off the fan. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that they tried, you know, I did a lot of like child therapy, um, you know, a lot of different, like my parents did the medication, different like incentives, you know, goals yeah. and different, t- different things like that. But um, I think that um, it was stuff that they personally did not deal with. Yeah, And I think that it's hard if you didn't deal with that specific thing to really understand. So I think that they definitely tried their best and were definitely firsthand affected yeah, by yeah. it. It changed their lives in a lot of ways. But I don't I don't know if they they've ever fully understood. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's always it's nearly impossible to help someone through something that they've never been through before. 100%. And I feel like as a kid, if you're struggling with something like that when somebody's trying to help you don't really feel you don't really see it as help you feel like they're trying to fix you because you feel like you're broken and they're like trying to fix you and then that makes you reject the help completely Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so did that kind of lead to you maybe rebelling oh yeah yeah i was a rebel that was like my first ever it's like you ever told me i couldn't do something still to this day if you tell me that i can't do something i'm like i want to do that (laughs) i don't even know why i want to do that anymore yeah so I was very much a rebel child. I wish that I, looking back, understood how much they were trying to help yeah. rather than seeing them as the enemy. Because I think my life, I like my life now, but I think that um, I definitely wouldn't have had to go through as many things if I had a little bit different of a perspective um, mm. on the fact that they were they were trying to. I feel blessed. I see a lot of situations nowadays where, you know, parents they just don't really care or I get the, like I get a lot of the like nurture parenting stuff these days. A lot of that stuff is really cool. Yeah. yeah. You know, but it's also like, I don't think they've had a child like me. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and so I think that, um, I feel really blessed that my parents were, even as I got older in high school, willing to like, even like ground me mm, or be yeah. like stern or be like, no, you can't do that. We don't, that's not okay. So they, wish, they didn't just kind of let you have your time, even though, like... Oh, no, bro. Mm. Yeah. Oh, no. They were very... Like, um, they ended up kicking me out when I was... Uh, I was kicked out of high school. Um, not to, like, leap ahead too much yeah. or whatever, but um, I ended up being kicked out of high school um, for being high on campus. And, uh, you know, they were like, I mean, you're either going to work or you're going to go to school or you're going to like leave. Mm. Yeah. So I did like this alternative school for a while, which was really dope. Um, and I loved the teachers there. Um, but when I was, when I dropped out of that, 
when I turned 18, they were like, well, then my parents were like, well, you got to go. Mm. Yeah. You can't stay here because we're, we're not going to, we're not going to like support anything yeah. that you're doing. You're out there getting like getting high. You're yeah. coming home at, especially with the younger siblings and stuff dude, like what that. I'm saying, it was like destroying my little siblings life. So like they gave me the boot. They were like, you know, if you ever want to have dinner, we're here. Mm. Like the door yeah. is always open for dinner if you want to come have dinner with us but other than that like you're not you're not welcome it always yeah. makes me wonder how do you try to understand that in the moment because i can imagine there's teenagers in the situation now and they're like well this sounds like a great story and how it turned out but it's right. like in the moment there, it, i don't know if there is a way to comprehend that it is all for a better cause yeah what would now looking back at young dom if there was one thing that you could have told him be like what would have that have been that's like the toughest question in the world it's hard i yeah. don't know because like the statistics are against my story like mm -hmm. they really are and i i think that like i wish that there was a magic thing you could say but i think for me and especially like um oh here's a good thing right this is this is not my wisdom this is my my de my father-in-law's but um so my wife and i andrea we want to have kids someday right and so obviously you talk about things like are we going to spank them are mm -hmm. we going to do this yeah and you try to make all these decisions beforehand right to be prepared mm -hmm. or yeah. whatever. So we're we're at a winery and we're talking about this and everybody's going back and forth. We're talking with the, my in-laws, the family basically. And then uh, all of a sudden my father-in-law goes like, you know, you want to know what I think? He was like, I think that you can't make that decision now because <laughs> like you're going to have like this individual child. And I think the best thing that you can do is treat them as such and be present yeah. with what is going on in this situation. Like, Essentially, like, don't make that decision now whether you're not going to do this or are, because what if you say I'm not and that's what they need? What if you yeah. say I am going to do that and that's not what they need? Yeah, because you could have like two kids who do the exact same um, mistake. Absolutely. But then the punishment will be completely differently, Absolutely. like, responded. Yep. It's like you could ground one kid and it could they could take it super well. Yeah. But if you ground the other kid, you could they could hop out the window. You'd never see them again. Like it's that's what I'm saying. So yeah, that to me is like you know if anybody ever comes up and is like oh my son is this right or my daughter or um what should i do i'm like i'm like man i don't i don't really know like what do they need like what does it look like like what honestly pray about it because i feel like the only solution that i've ever seen is is jesus mm. stepping in and yeah changing their lives like that's the only there needs to be like healing there there needs to be you know i didn't i didn't just do heroin because i liked it yeah I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Yeah, and yeah. it was so fun. I had so much fun at times being out on the streets, doing drugs, doing whatever I wanted to do. Um, I can't lie about that. But also there was like some really low moments that really sucked. And the only reason I kept doing it was because I was damaged yeah. and I needed to find healing. So whenever people ask, I'm like, I don't, like what what do they need? Like so, what does healing look like? So what did you need in that moment? Is it what your parents decided to do? Um, Them kicking me out? Absolutely. That's what you needed. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. that was like the best decision they ever could have made. I I don't think that anything else would have worked. Yeah. Still to this day, I'm not necessarily someone that you can um change my mm -hmm. perspective if I have one. You, yeah. you got to like give me some really good it probably pisses my wife off. Me, but, <laughs> you know, she's like doing this college stuff right now, and she's coming at me with like legitimate information about like things, and she'll try to tell me, and I'll be like, nah. <laughs> she's like, what do you think different? I'm like, just cause. Like, 
So, you know, I, I really think that kind of sending me out to figure it out on my own was the best thing yeah. that they could have done for yeah. sure. I'm yeah. very grateful for that might actually be one of the more consistent things I tell parents if they ask kick them out just throw the hammer down just throw the hammer down i think you know at some point the kids just taking advantage right yeah if, if you would have if you would have been able to stay there you would have just been and that's what i was home. doing that's yeah. what you know i was like always lying about some concert something i needed money for yeah and i wouldn't take no for an answer or if it was a no then i would just take it from him yeah like there was there was no good outcome of me continuing to be there there just yeah. wasn't yeah so that's once once you kick a kid out, they that's when they have to learn that if they want to support that, they have to make all the money for it or like they have to make all the decisions themselves. Yep. So they don't have any comfort yep. like at all. You find out who your real friends are. You yeah. find out that there really is no place to stay. Mm. You know, you find out that being grown up is not as fun yeah. as it sounds. Yeah. I, you know, man, I kind of wish I didn't rush mm. to be all grown up. Yeah. Yeah. So let's read it back a little bit. What was like the chain of events that led you to being at the place where you got kicked out of high school? Yeah. Um, when I was 14, I was sent to like a juvenile boys home, right? In uh, Southern Missouri. Um, it was called Masters Ranch and Christian Academy. Right? Okay. Southern Baptist to the core. That's yeah. scary. First ever experience I had was Southern Baptist, right? And... Um, my parents sent me there. And, oh, so it wasn't, you didn't like no, break the not, law. Not yet. No, okay. no, not yet. Okay. I, that was there. This was preemptive. This is, yeah. Okay. And, um, I was one of the younger kids there. Right. And there was all these like grown up kids from California, from New York, from like big cities that at that point I hadn't been around very much. Yeah. Um, gangbangers, you know, kids coming out of some real serious situations. And then there's like little old me who hadn't even touched drugs yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, actually I may, I think I like drank once smoked weed once type situation, maybe hadn't even touched weed yet actually. And, um, I was so out of place because I don't think that I actually should have ended up there type mm. situation, mm -hmm. right? There's kids where it's like, you look at their family situation, you look at everything around them and it's like, of course you ended up here. Yeah. And then there's me who just wasn't appreciative of anything that I was ever given. Yeah. Mm. So then I started lying about being this like gangbanger and, you know, <laughs> lying about all this different stuff and obviously made no friends doing that. So yeah. then I was out of place there. Um, I can't remember how far in I was, maybe like three or four months. Again, my mom's probably going to correct me. Yeah, yeah. Because she's just, she keeps all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Good at it. Um, I broke out. Okay. With two of my friends. You escaped Juvenile Hall or? Yeah, this? we broke out. Wow, okay. And we <laughs> stole bikes and rode probably four miles. Oh my gosh. Five miles to a gas station. Okay. Was it like one of those places where it's just out in the wilderness? The boonies. Yeah. It was like, it was Yeehawville for sure. So were you, was this, were you planning this escape? Dude, I, as I remember it, and, I, and I'll be honest, like up until I, up until I got off drugs, everything kind of feels like a dream. Yeah. So I, I miss, you know, some of it's a little foggy, but essentially I remember, um, so we, our punishments there were like more physical where you would have to do like workouts or physical labor. Yeah. 
And I think I got in trouble for something. I don't remember what. And I'm out doing yard work. And I think I, it, this is so crazy, but I think I literally just made a joke to one of my friends. Like, you ever thought about like break, breaking out just to be funny? Yeah. And he gets this dead serious look in his eyes. And he's like, what do you mean? <laughs> and I, I was like, bro, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> and we go back and then a few hours later, him and my other friend come and approach me and they're like, bro, we're like actually doing it. And they like basically told me that they had this whole plan. And I just kind of was like, I had no interest in breaking out, but I was like, if I say no, I'm just going to be like the loser that said no. Yeah. So I did it. Could I hear what the plan that they presented you with was? Oh, dude, I don't remember. I mean, it was like, I mean, it was like, wake up at, you know, 2 a.m., we're going to break into the kitchen and we're going to steal whatever we need to like survive off the land. <laughs> were you in like cells or paint the picture for it? No. Yeah. So essentially what it was, I mean, it was in the boonies. It was, you ever seen a, um, like holes? Yes. Okay. Yeah, this is yeah, what yeah. I've been imagining yeah. the whole time. You know, you know how it's yes. like, it wasn't desert. It's like, like barracks. That. So this is the Ozarks of Missouri. So it's okay. like valleys and trees, but essentially it was like, we don't really need a fence here. Cause it's like, where are you going to go? Okay. Yeah. You type situation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like, it was uh, every place has its problems, but it was a great place. I don't think people really wanted to to break out. It had happened before. Okay. Yeah. But we're in the middle of the Ozarks, so it's like we don't need no fences. Bro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because how are they gonna yep. walk out of here? So it was like it was it was like a farm style house with a huge dormitory in the bottom with like forty bunks. Okay, right. And you had. Um, like a big, so you go up the stairs from the dorm and you have like a big, like eating area, you got a kitchen and then a big old yard on yeah. the property. And so the plan was to, to wake up 2 AM. We were going to go upstairs. We were going to bust into the, um, the kitchen did have locks. The freezer had locks. So, um, they had some sort of plan to, to get into those. We ended up stealing like, like a couple loaves of bread and some, like <laughs> milk jugs. <you> know? Nice. <laughs> um, and then we took some bikes, you know, nothing crazy. You know, we didn't have to like scale any fences. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, take anybody out or anything weird. It was, it was like that whole situation where it's like, wow, you know, we're on the boonies. Like, where yeah. are you going to go? Yeah. So we ride those bikes like four or five miles to a gas station where we, um, threw a brick through one of the big windows and, um, stole, I don't even think we touched the money. I think it was literally just cigarettes is all we wanted, man. Mm. We were fiending some, for some smokes. Yeah. And uh, beer. Cigarettes and beer. You know, the priorities. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we broke in, took the stuff, and then we ended up trying to go into, like, the marsh behind the gas station, and it was horrid. It was mm. like we couldn't even make it. Like, there was thorns. Oh. So then we had coming back out, going back by the gas station, going down the road a little bit, and we saw this, like, wooded area where we hung out for a few hours sun's coming up and we stumble upon this truck with like six, $700 cash. Oh my gosh. In it. I know. Crazy. Just like a pickup truck. Yeah. I think there's the, what I've been told after was the guy was going to the dentist or something crazy like yeah. that mm. had cash ready to go. Um, we took that, um, continued to hang out, hang out in the woods till they found us. They were literally driving by and somehow saw us up the hill. What was the plan if they didn't find you? Yeah. Uh, we were going to Michigan. We were going to, uh, one of them was from Michigan. Um, I mean, we, 
I mean, we were kids, so there was like a plan, but it was also like. How old were you? I was 14. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Maybe had just turned 15. Wow. How far would, is Michigan away from like where you were? Far. So how were you going to get there? We were going to, we were going to walk, hitchhike. Oh my gosh. Wow. Live off the land. I know. It's so stupid. Live off I the, look back, the milk and bread. Yeah. I look <laughs> back and it was, the, it was without a doubt. I've done some dumb things in my life. Wow. That was without the dumbest thing I've ever, I've ever done in my life. And so they see us and, um, we hear gunshots. Um, and so, you know, the second gunshot, I dropped. And I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to get shot at. They were going to shoot you? This is not going to happen. Um, From what I have been told, we weren't being shot at. They're Someone like was shooting shots. into the air. Oh, mm. uh, okay. I don't know okay. if they were shooting at us or not. I doubt it. I mean, we're kids. Yeah. yeah. There was gunshots. I had never been. I've never been around that before in my life. Yeah. So I dropped. Um, did the other guys run off? Yeah. Yeah. They threatened me. They were like, dude, if you do not get up and I was on the ground with my hands up screaming, I'm done. I'm not doing nothing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they threatened me. They were like, if you don't shut up, like you're dead, like wow. get up, we're leaving. And I'm like, no, there's <laughs> how, a, how far yeah. are they from you? Not, um, so picture like, uh, I'm trying to picture like a hill. Okay. You know, not yeah. a crazy hill, but a hill. They were down the hill. Okay. Uh, so they come handcuff us, take us to jail. Um, the pastor of the boys school I was at, his name's Pastor Bosley, Pastor David Bosley, still to this day, one of my favorite humans wow. in the entire planet. He is literally like, I, I can't even begin to like brag on this human, mm. like, all my wall, all my words fall short. Like he defies all the odds, you know? I mean, he was like a, like a Marine cop, yeah. Wow. you know, in his younger age and is now like a Southern Baptist pastor mm. stands at like six, five, six, wow. six, big old dude. Yeah. Um, motorcycle rider, you know, yeah. with like, with like a heart of gold, mm. yeah. just like he loved me more than almost anybody I've ever met in my life. Like it would be like my wife, my parents, and then it would be like Pastor Bosley. Wow. Up there, like with my family. Yeah. Um, so he comes to the jail and I'm obviously crying. You know, I didn't even want to do it, but I did it. So I'm just like, I feel stupid. I yeah. feel regret. And um yeah, they were they were the crazy thing about the money, right? Is if it was like $450. If it was like $499, it would have been, it would have been a uh, misdemeanor, right? Yep. But anything over 500 is an automatic grand theft. Really? Gosh. Yeah. So then in Missouri, so it's like just enough to get like a really serious offense. Hug. And then in Missouri, it is a felony to break out of any sort of juvenile facility. Oh gosh. And then on top of that, you know um the window in the the window <laughs> so you cops two felon felonies yeah, I, at 14 i think it was actually more like three or four felonies with at like 14 yeah wow with like misdemeanors yeah tagged on oh my in gosh. the like teens you know That's if i remember crazy. correctly again it's all foggy so at that point i am looking at doing some serious time yeah. as like a kid and out of the the mercies of pastor bosley's heart he works out for us to come back oh my all wow us. wow and then at that point how did he swing order. that Dude, i don't know <laughs> i mean he's like a respected guy in yeah. the area and then obviously you know um 
first off, I think he must have bailed us out. Yeah. yeah. That was never said, but that must have happened. Like, there's no way they just let us yeah. go. Yeah. Um, and then obviously we had to go through like the court process and all that fun jazz. Um, I was court ordered there. Um, I was court ordered to do like therapy of sorts, like counseling, um, court ordered to do, um, what is it when you have to do like manual labor? Oh, oh, um, yes. community service. Community service yeah. Yep. So then I was like there, there. Wow. You know, so before you know, you're getting bailed out, you're 14, you're walking into jail. What's going through your head, bro? I didn't even know how to process. I was a kid. I didn't even know how to process it. You know, um, I was scared. I was scared. I would love to look back and be like, I was ready. I was tough, but <laughs> yeah, I was so scared off my rocker, dude. Like, you know, all of, all of my life's decisions were kind of like looking me in the eye. Then mm. I kind of wish that could have been the turning point for me. Yeah. That would have been like a really solid turning point. You yeah. Know, 14, go through that, get my stuff together a little bit, but nope. So, so after, just beginning. after 14, it just keeps escalating. Oh yeah. When's the next, when's the next point where it hits another? Yeah. I mean, I graduated from that school, but okay. it was essentially like pastor Bosley pulled me off to the side and was like, look, like at this point, I don't really know, like I'm graduating you because it's time, but like you're not it like you haven't figured yeah. it out you know mm -hmm. and i just continued to lie and get in trouble and you know and changed through it you know i didn't appreciate what pastor bosley had done for me um so then right i go home i'm 16 i'm in high school mm -hmm. right and um with all the like pt and hard work you know i did like ranch work there you know i'm in pretty good shape for a 16 year old kid yeah I fell in love with playing football there at the ranch. So um, I joined the football team in high school, but it's just a bunch of tools. Are you coming back to your hometown? Yep, coming back. So there's people that you knew as kids? Oh, yeah. Bro. Wow. And you're back so living I'm with like parents? I'm like gone for like a year and a half, two years. Oh, Does I anyone really back. know? Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Everybody's very aware. It was kind of like a homecoming type thing for my school. Yeah. Lots of people were excited. Lots of people were scared of me. You know, I had like a reputation. I obviously flexed that reputation a little bit more yeah. than i should have so you had you had more street cred than a 16 year old should 100 yeah 100 and then on top of that you know i was like a lame nerdy little emo kid before i left right oh, yeah. skinny jean wearing you know straighten your hair <laughs> painted nails oh, okay and now you're just like a dude i come back thugging that's like, so that was funny. my mentality yeah i'm gonna be a thug now what were the but fits looking like dude shorts that were way too baggy of course you know um up until i'll say this i fell in love with mac miller okay and love then he was like my idol right okay. so it was like anytime mac miller would pull out a new fit that, that was, was it yeah, yeah did so, you have any tats at this point because you have tats no now. dude i didn't get i didn't get any tattoos till i was kicked out okay kicked out of school but um you know schoolboy q and mac miller they started wearing like the bucket caps and, yeah oh uh, yeah so i started wearing the bucket caps and the the Nike jackets and the, um, <laughs> I don't know if, uh, joggers are still like in, but that was when jogger or joggers first like hit the scene. Okay. Like the, the like, Adidas stripe ones. No, like the tan. Oh, okay. The tan like, like the jumpsuit ones <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> with the matching top, the track suits. Bro rocked it. <laughs> the early rocked 2000s. It. I love it. So there was a story that you told me about that I completely forgot to mention. I don't know what age it, around it was about. You said that. That was this kid who used to pick on your brother. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that was when I was like 10, 11 years okay. old. So 
I'll keep the names out. Yeah. Not because I think that they would listen, but just, just to keep the integrity of the story, just in case anybody does. But, um, there was this kid from my hometown who was like the kid. He was like the toughest kid on the block, right? Yeah. Ended up doing like some for real juvie in prison time later on. Um, but he was like the kid that everybody was like afraid of, mm. you know, he was like the toughest kid. And, um, I don't know if you guys, what, what's the energy drink that are, um, Red Bull monster like scorpion. Is there a scorpion? One? Oh, I've heard about, I've heard of probably. It. Yeah, yeah. They were like venom big. venom. Yes, bro. Yes. Venom. So this is when like venom first like became real popping and, um, I'm just like on my lonesome walking around my town, got myself a venom energy drink or whatever. And I rolled through the park, like the basketball hoops. And this kid was sitting there and I actually looking back, I'm like, I don't know when he would have interacted with my little brother. Cause he's like three years younger. Right. Yeah. And, um, honestly he was like the quietest kid around. He's just like the sweet little Dawson, you know, yeah. he's, I don't know when they would have interacted, but he started calling my little brother a derogatory term for a homosexual. Okay. Right. Yeah. I'll say that. And I was like, bro, like, there's no reason for that. Like, probably I said it in a less. Yeah. Less, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, and he just kept saying it. So I was like, dude, if you keep saying that, like, I'm going to mess you up. <laughs> Obviously, I said it a lot. Yeah. 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 Whatever. I'm scarier. Sure right. Yeah. There's like yeah. kids that listen to this. Teachers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and he just kept saying it. So I threw the entire unopened venom and hit him in the face with it and then proceeded to absolutely mop the floor with this kid. And I think like I had not had any fighting experience at this time. This is like one of my pure first aggression. ever fights. Yeah. It was just pure aggression. And I just swept the floor with this kid. Um, I, I beat him so bad. I ended up breaking my hand on his oh face. Oh my gosh. And things changed for me a little bit at that time. It was almost like, cause I was such a scrawny little kid. I was like, Oh, maybe I can be tough. Yeah. Maybe I actually am tough. I am one of the tough kids. And that changed honestly to this day, probably my confidence when it comes to like physical altercations, even yeah. as a 25 year old man, when there's like things, I just remember the time when I was nine, <laughs> I mopped the floor with this kid, but yeah. it, it really did change my life forever because i won that fight yeah. so you recommend most nine-year-olds just go throw just some hands. do it find that bully and just yeah. throw those hands also <laughs> venom like... let's get dom a sponsorship <laughs> I, you know what's funny is I, the only reason i know is it's because it's the cheapest one in the gas station it's 99 cents is it really yeah and i don't know if it was back it has then. to be so bad for you oh, it, oh yeah no, i i tried it one time to give me an immediate headache really? but what's funny is me and josh have talked about this as a young boy you just have that that itch to just see how Hard. Yeah. You just how you just want to punch, yeah. right? Dude. It's that first boost of testosterone. You're like, I just want to mess someone up. I yeah. think that this world, I really do think that so many kids would be better off if they did mixed martial arts. I think yeah. that's super true. Like do my, boxing, do something, wrestle. Yeah, uh, wrestling's not it. No, wrestling's cool. different. Yeah, I'm telling you, like, there is a reason boys want to put their hands on each other. There, I'm telling you, there is a reason they want to throw hands. Yeah, because as as a kid, I've I've never once felt bare knuckle to my face. Like I've never been punched in the face. I've never yeah. been beat up, and I've always we wanted need to do a live like, podcast where we just 
just box. Literally. Box we can I'll go. Yeah. In the face. <laughs> right now. <laughs> I, it's so it's so funny that you say that because me and Josh have had this exact conversation. Just it's you, that pure aggression. You just want. Yeah. I think it's you just want to see how far you can push yourself, dude. I'm one of those weirdos that really does believe in the caveman instincts when it comes to men. Mm-hmm. I do think that at the core of who we are is we're hunters, we're fighters, we're protectors. Yeah. And I was thinking this today. I'm like, honestly, it doesn't matter how flamboyant you are. I see that. I see that in so many men. Yeah. And I think that so many kids would be better off. I think so many less would be like prescribed as ADHD. It's a great point. I think so many kids would be like prescribed with less mental issues. Yeah. If they had a safe place to get that energy out. And I yeah. think when it comes, it doesn't come out in aggression. It comes out in control for the people that aren't physical. You, you see it play out. You know, you're 100%. saying like when they're flamboyant, then usually they want to control the situation. 100%. Yeah. Because also like, no matter who you are, if somebody kicks your kid or like hurts your he, brother, you're brother. gonna you're gonna attack. I was thinking that situation. You have I was like, to protect. I mean, I have this platform, but if I was in that situation, and someone's my little brother, my little sister. Oh, dude. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. It all goes out the window. And even for me, I was never like a hunt. I was never like your typical like boy, or even now as a man. Like I'm not. I I have a lot of flamboyant tendencies. If I'm being yeah. honest, like, yeah. I care about how I dress. I care about how I look. I I now have like a skin routine that I do, you know? Yeah. I like poetry and art. I yeah. cry during every movie. You can't put a movie on without, I cried watching Ant-Man the other night, <laughs> you know, but it's like at the end of the day, I, I had a dream last night. Actually, mm. I had a dream last night that someone was messing with my wife mm. and I hurt them. Yeah. Like it is at yeah. the, and I, I really don't see myself as like a redneck, like honcho manly man. Like there's yeah. not many things that, Dude, I don't like I don't like football. I yeah. don't really, college football. I love college football, but there's so many things about me. But at the end of the day, there are things with inside me. Like I kind of just want to get violent every day. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. Um. So, I'm assuming that from that one moment that that made you realize there's something about violence, aggression, fighting, like that you really enjoyed, yeah. which I'm sure led to where we were caught up with the story at that point. Um. So now back to that point, you've graduated from that, that place. Um, you're now back in high school. Where does it start going back off the track? Almost immediately. Okay. Yeah, almost immediately. I just I joined the football team. I thought that would be the answer. It was just a bunch of tools. Honestly, it was just a bunch of guys that thought that they were better than everyone. Yeah. Um, I was obviously a little bit older you know, and a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. Fighting was always a problem for me, especially then. I just had a lot of anger. So it was like fights every other day, you know, on a on a weekly basis, getting in fights. Um, was it night. that like you being like a bully or was it just like just... Um, I definitely up? had some bully tendencies, that's okay. for sure. But it, it didn't matter the size of the person. I think I just wanted to fight. I just wanted to like get that out. And I didn't have... You know, I wasn't, I did a little bit of mixed martial arts and boxing when I was in Missouri, um, but there wasn't really an outlet for that, um, you know, where I was in Indiana. Um, plus, honestly, dude, I wasn't disciplined. And there's mm-hmm. like so much discipline that goes into boxing and mis- mixed martial arts that I didn't want to have anything to do with that. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to, to fight. Um, so that was obviously a huge problem. And then 
that was when I started, uh, you know, experimenting with, with drugs, alcohol. Um, for me, it started not with pot. I know that's like what everybody wants to hear. Um, that like I smoked marijuana once and then was, you know, a heroin addict, but that wasn't my, my situation. Uh, for me, it was pills actually. Um, I started, uh, you know, Xanax, um, morphine, Vicodin, all that, all that stuff. Um, and then drinking, um, until I was kicked out of school because I showed up on pills. And then once I was, once I was in that alternative school, you know, there was like some more like-minded kids. Yeah. And, uh, that was where it started escalating to a lot of like psychedelics mm. and, um, heavier drugs. That's when I... Was it just accessible through high school? Yeah, it was pretty accessible, honestly. Do you think it's more accessible now through social media? From what I hear, yeah. Um, I was just listening to like an interview with Dr. Phil mm-hmm. where I was just talking about how so accessible this stuff is for kids. Yeah. I could totally, totally see that. I think it's just always been accessible and... You know, I think that's a whole rabbit trail of itself where you can yeah. get into like the government and you can get into like the prison system and, yeah. and all that stuff. But, you know, it's, you know, it's whatever. Yeah. So after you, you leave high school, you go to this alternative school. How fast do things escalate? Very fast. Very fast. Yeah. I fell in love with drugs. That was like. You know, the typical picture you get of like a drug addict is like you as a young drug addict, not like a homeless drug addict you see on the streets is like um, a really good example. Here's a really good example. Um, uh, Euphoria mm. TV show mm-hmm. right now, which yeah. I loved. I won't dig on it at all. I yeah. loved it. But my one problem that I had with it and the only thing was how cool they made Rue. She's like the drug addict, right? Is that Zendaya's character? That's Zendaya's okay. character, which she crushed. She <laughs> this is not anything to do with Zendaya. She crushed it. But it was like plus it's A24. Yeah. They did it. So I can't. I love A24. But she's just is like the coolest character in the whole mm. show. And you know, I think that there is also like a sexual aspect to like drugs in mm-hmm. TV. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't care about any of that. I didn't care about sex. I didn't care about money. I didn't care about anything. The only thing that I cared about was getting high. Yeah. And that was like from the first time. I truly don't think I will ever in my entire life forget the first time I used heroin. And I kid you not. Um, so I'm like 18 years old. I'm in a room with two of my friends and my buddy has heroin. And the first time I ever used it was was through a needle. Hmm. And he goes, dude, I'll shoot. I'll shoot some in you if you want. And, uh, he shot it into my hand and I was like a pretty big guy at the time. So it didn't hit me like right away. And I always thought that it was like supposed to be like this immediate like thing. Yeah. I felt nothing for like a second. That was my first thought. Why don't I feel it? Mm -hmm. And then the very next thought I felt it and I just immediately was like, oh crap. Like, what did I just do? What did it feel like? Dude, like. I can't even get it. I mean, I hate to say it. It just felt good. Yeah. Like, it was like, it was like, if you've ever had a headache and the ibuprofen takes away the headache mm. or you're ever like too hot and that AC kicks on yeah. or vice versa, it's that same feeling. Okay. Like, but it's like in your veins. Yeah. And I hate to say that it felt, but it did. But my very first thought immediately, as soon as I felt it was 
like I just made the biggest mistake of my life. Cause you're wow. like, I'm now obsessed with this. And I conked. And then I, I fell back on the bed and then immediately, as soon as I started thinking again, it was, how do I get more? Really? I asked my friend, I was like, when, when will this wear off? He's like, you know, I'm probably like two hours for you. And I was like, all right, we got to get more by wow. this two hours. Yeah. That, and then immediately that was what my life, that was literally what my life was like from that moment on. Yeah. How do I get more? Oh gosh. Cause my, my only experience, um, with like anything to do with drugs has been watching Breaking Bad. Really? Um, so I don't really know much about it, but I've seen how like immediately you're addicted to this. Yeah. Like you put it straight into the vein and then like all of a sudden yeah. it just takes over everything. I feel like Jesse is a pretty good like picture of what it's like to be a drug addict. Yeah. His struggles are pretty like, because I, as much as we like to make it out, like drug addicts just don't care about anything. That's not true. Yeah. You care about drugs. You just care more about drugs than anything. Yeah. And so it was like, I would have my, now they were rare. I would say that like, maybe you see Jesse kind of like contemplate a little bit more than I would say I did for sure. But it was like from that moment on. I didn't care about anything other than getting high and yeah. I would do anything to get high. What were the downfalls after this happened? Um, like what were the biggest things that changed in your life? I mean, dude, I did have no friends and that was the truest thing. Like I mm. was one of your, I was one of those people that would like steal your wallet and like help mm. you look for it, you know? And I don't know if I had any friends that were as addicted mm. as I was. So it was like, I would betray any of my friends mm. for anything. Yeah. I was unreliable. I was mean. I was brutal. I was violent. So you'd you know? fight for you oh, like 100%. Yeah. 100%. That was, and that was when the like, that was when the like robbing and the, you know, drug dealing kind of started was, was when I was kicked out. Uh, when I dropped out of the alternative school and, uh, my parents kicked me out, it opened up the door then to start like actually dealing drugs. Did they know the full situation at this point? No. I think, I mean, they're like aware, like they're not, they yeah. weren't dumb, my yeah. parents. I think that, well, yeah, like I remember my mom telling me like, you know, anytime the phone rang type situation, it was just immediate, you know, fear. Um, anytime she heard an ambulance, she would think it was like for me. Mm -hmm. They were definitely aware of how bad it was, but it's not something that I've like sat down with them. Yeah. And been like, hey, this is this is what I was doing. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think that would be like helpful yeah. Yeah. for our relationship. But I as aware they as they could be, they definitely weren't dumb. Yeah. Cause in that in that moment when you were like they kicked you out, did you kind of cut ties with them completely or were you still like willing to go back to ask for money and stuff like that? Um that's a great question. I don't I doubt it. Actually, dude, I haven't thought about this in a long time. This is kind of crazy. Um have you guys ever heard of the show? I think it's called Drugs Inc. Drugs Incorporated. Does that have all the pills on the front? Yeah. Dude. Yeah, I've seen it. Um, I hesitate to like recommend it to people because I, 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 I was on drugs when I would watch it. I would like mm -hmm. get high and watch it with the, my friend I was drug dealing with. Mm. There's this episode. Um, I can't remember if it was like Pittsburgh or somewhere in Ohio, like Cincinnati or something. But it, the episode was called like Pittsburgh Smack or like Cincinnati Smack, something like that. Hmm. And they were highlighting how bad the epidemic was in this city. And at the end, they're playing this like super like soapy music. Yeah. And they're basically showing people being taken into the hospital on overdoses. 
And then explaining that at times, a lot of times they have people back in 15 minutes. Wow. You know, they overdose, they go out and they're back in 15 minutes. That's crazy. And I started bawling my Mm. eyes out. I'm like high as a kite. Um, The dude that I dealt drugs with was a paraplegic. Mm -hmm. Couldn't walk. He had spinal bifida. Mm. So his like spine ended before his legs. Okay. So he was in a wheelchair. And so I was sitting in his wheelchair while he was on the couch with like drugs on the table and I'm like crying and he's like, bro, what's wrong, dude. And I was like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. like go to, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And then, um, I say that to say like all of a sudden I was getting all these like pictures of specifically my dad, um, because he had like just reached out at the time and asked if I wanted to like go to lunch or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I obviously said no. Um, but like, you know, they were still so intentional, even in the midst of that. And I, I'm sure that they tried to reach out a lot more than I remember. They would have done anything they could, you yeah. know, but I didn't want anything to do with them unless it involved them giving me money. Yeah. Did that come out of shame and embarrassment? No, I just didn't care. No, mm. I wish that it came out of that. Like that would have been a lot nicer to yeah. them, I think, but I, I just didn't. It was just drugs. I just, yeah, that was all I cared yeah. about. I didn't so, care about anything else. Yeah. So that moment when you were crying at the TV, was that your first moment of realization of how bad like, yeah, it, was, it had gotten? Yeah, it was like a week later that I was in jail getting sober. I think oh, it was wow. like a week. And, and what's the event that leads to you going into jail at this point? Yeah, so, yeah, so um, maybe I prayed that night. I don't know what it was. Uh, a week later, I wake up and I know for a fact I'm going to jail that day. There had been like a warrant out for my arrest. Um, there had been a, like an investigation on me and my friend, you know, you could feel like the walls closing in Mm -hmm. and, um, um, I woke up and knew that I was going to jail and our, our entire thing was like falling apart. It seems it was like, was it just the two of you? Yeah. Can I ask how much money you're making at this point? I was thinking that as well. Pretty good. Yeah. Oh, I, I was in it for the drugs. Mm. So I wouldn't say that. Like I was getting rich. I was making a lot of money. What I would say was I was doing a lot of drugs. Yeah. You just had infinite drugs. Like, I had an infinite yeah. amount of drugs and I was not in it for the money. Yeah. Um, what about him? Was he in, in it for the money or the drugs as well? Both Yeah. until the end. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he was, he was, he was definitely, and I'm trying to be a little like careful just in case like certain people listen yeah. or whatever, but he was definitely like one of the top dogs in mm-hmm. our area and I will say this about him, like, I, I loved that dude to death. We haven't talked in a long time. Um, his, like, we lived in his family's house. Mm. Well, I would say his family lived in, like, his house. Yeah. And they were, like, a, um, a like, a uh, Honduran family. Mm. Super sweet. The dad was in a Marachi band. Oh, nice. So we'd be, like, dealing dope upstairs, and then we would hear, like, a Marachi band downstairs. I love that. Yeah sweetest mom in the whole world um she died a few years ago um she was blind and and had cancer Mm -hmm. um his sister um was murdered you know so this family like almost completely gone i think he's in prison right now or something sweetest like family sweetest dude like such sweet like awesome memories i had with him just a really unfortunate deal of cards for that yeah 100 yeah um and I mean, essentially drugs just became the priority and it's your classic, like, you know, 
any gangster movie, like yeah. what happens, like yeah. drugs become the priority. Um, so how's this, how's this yeah. come to a So I wake up, I know I'm going to jail that day. So we have nothing at this point. And, um, I walk to the, to the bank in my town and I had like $10 in my account. Cause I like never used a bank, you know, yeah. I pull that $10 out and I go buy a pack of cigarettes just to have my last day. And, oh, so um, you knew. Oh dude, I knew. Like I wow. remember walking like. Wow. I don't know if I, I might have even said it to people. I just knew. They, you just knew they were on your back and this was it. Yeah. And I think like, obviously Jesus was everywhere in how this happened. And I just knew. And my friends ended up picking me up at some point. We get a bunch of Xanax. I'm high off my rocker. I don't know. Like looking back, like that was easily top five. One of the, one of the most high. Like one of the times I've been the most high. Mm. I don't even know how to say. Yeah, it. you were just highest like, I've ever been. Yeah, top five. You're just like this is the last time. I'm, I'm walking just gonna, zombie. Just, yeah, I'm an absolute walking zombie. And I. And walk, how old are you at this point? Um, nineteen. Okay. I walk into a gas station, and I start stuffing like Monster Energy and granola bars in my pants. <laughs> no idea why. Like drug addicts don't eat granola bars. Yeah, they gotta, <laughs> you know, um, and. This lady comes up to me and is like, put those back. And I'm like, put what back? You know, and I try to like play it cool, but I'm like a zombie at this point. Like, I don't, I, I'm sure not many people are like aware of what Xanax, like Xanax, like completely zombifies you if you do enough. Like, you're just kind of like walking dumb yeah. at that point. Um, and I'm like trying to play it cool and like walk out of this gas station. Just so happens that they're, so there's a subway like attached to this gas station and there's four sheriffs eating subs. <laughs> oh gosh. And so she's like screaming at me and I'm like, you know, get out of my face. Yeah. Like, I'm taking this. Like there's nothing you can do. <laughs> like, and I'm on my way to the car after we had just bought all the drugs that we intended to sell. Mm. So like worst case scenario, to have police pull up to your car with oh, so the car was just filled with drugs, full, absolutely full, with personal drugs and drugs that you that we were intending to sell. Um, and it was just all all kinds of drugs. Oh yeah, and before I even make it to a car, a sheriff is there handcuffing me, slamming me up against the car. Mm. Um, any. I don't know if you guys have people who have dealt drugs listening, but this, this is where anybody who's dealt, dealt drugs is, is going to listen and just be so aware that I was the dumbest human alive. <laughs> we had scales in the car. We had baggies in the car. And on top of that, we had, um, so like if you ever go to a bank, right. And you, let's say break a hundred, yeah. they're not going to give you any ones. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. They're going to split it by twenties, tens, maybe fives. If you ask. One of the ways that police can essentially charge you with, with dealing drugs is by having large amounts of cash with like ones, mm -hmm, fives mm -hmm. that are divvied up in a way that a bank wouldn't have given. So it's just a car full of evidence. Car full of every single thing that you need mm. to, 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 to say like we were obviously yeah. dealing drugs, right? And then on top of that, just tons of drugs. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that dude. Like literally, Picture a checklist and just picture every single box checked off type thing. Hmm. Um, I have no idea to this day why I said it. I was in the car with two other dudes, one being my buddy. Um, I said, everything in the car is mine. It's all mine. 
you don't have to worry about these two dudes. Every single thing in the car is mine. Wow. I think I, it might have been like a hero complex thing for me where, you know, I was aware of the fact that it was my fault. Mm-hmm. He had specifically told me not to go into the store and not to steal anything, <laughs> but I wanted to steal. It yeah. was like a thrill thing for me. I think that's why I said it, but I said it. When you're arrested in like a small town, they don't always have the facilities for someone that's in a wheelchair. So he just got to go, right? Mm-hmm. And so my buddy and his driver, they were able to drive off where the, wow. where they took me to jail. Wow. And this had not been my like first stint in jail. It was my last time. Um, but it was at that point, I don't remember the next like two or three days because I just, I'd been on so many drugs and was withdrawing. When you first go into jail, you get put in like what they would call like a drunk tank. Okay. And in every jail, that's different. If it's a bigger jail, it's probably a little bit more souped up. If you're like arrested in like the boonies, like I was, Mm -hmm. it's like one individual room where you're like sleeping on a concrete floor. Okay. Type sitch. Um, and it was definitely the most redneck jail (laughs) I'd ever been in for sure. What made it so redneck? Um, I mean, the easy, the easy answer is you're in the boons. So it's just a bunch of white people. Yeah. And that, that was for sure the scariest jails to be in. Wow. For sure. Really? What made it, what made it that much scarier? Um, well, think about like, think about a racist person, right? If you're racist, you don't have any priorities or morals yeah it's fair game yeah i feel like racism is so far up there on the like jacked up you know list that think about all the other everything it's it's at that point you know um so there's just no safety nets whatsoever whatsoever i was a young kid um and it was pretty intense and then on top of that you know essentially i was looking at doing you know almost 30 years oh wow yeah so how long do you get officially booked for after court? Um, dude, that's where we can dive into like the corrupt system that America has because you don't know, mm-hmm. right? So how it works is um, you go in, let's say two weeks later, you get what's called a plea deal, right? Either you get yourself a lawyer or you're assigned a lawyer. Yeah. Um, I forget the term for an assigned lawyer. It's a, uh, there's a term for it. Yeah. So- Nine out of 10 people, they can't afford their own lawyer. Mm-hmm. They're buku expensive. Yeah. It's like a state appointed attorney, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's another term, but state appointed. That's good. That's good. So you meet your, you meet your court appointed lawyer, yeah. state appointed. And then what they do is they'll give you a plea deal, right? So they'll say, all right. So the max penalty for this is good example, five years, right? If you sign that you are guilty today, mm. you can be out within a year wow. with a year's probation. So you're like, I'm years. signing that paper. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Right. Cause then at this point you'd also been two weeks sober. Yep. So your probably mind was pretty clear. Yeah. And, um, to take it away from my situation, just to explain more of like how it works, right? Let's say you say no, you might get another offer. You might get a third offer. They might get sweeter. They might get worse. You're rolling the dice with that. Mm-hmm. Why does the government give out these plea deals? Dude, this is without a doubt one of the most corrupt parts of our entire society. It's because they, first off, they want guilty people. Mm-hmm. First off, 
sorry, I'm trying to figure out the best way to, yeah. Cause it's just such a big complex thing. Like, first off, people want a success rate too. Yeah. Second, they want to keep you in the system, mm. right? Probation, um, work release, jail time, all of that keeps you in the system. Third thing is they don't want to spend the money. It costs money to take things to court. Yeah. Right. Right. So the threat is like, okay, I won't get a max. I won't get a max, uh, um, a max sentence. If I say, even if it's a, even if I didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Even if I didn't commit this crime, I won't get the max. I will get off. Which is a win. Yeah. I will get off. Is it almost like cops having to give out a certain amount of tickets? It's them Similar. trying to get yeah. the amount of 100%. guesses. Because okay. it's also, 100%. it's the prison and the state will have to dish out a whole new amount of money for a new prisoner. Because yep. then it's another like yeah. whole so other amount. Is of that meals. why the government, it's a proud thing to say that we got this many guilty people? I think so. Hmm. I think it's like becoming more taboo, right? Ever since the, t- the statistic came out that we have like more imprisoned people per capita than any other country wow. in the world. It's been a little bit more like people have been aware of it. But that's the thing. And like most people can't afford to actually, which is so crazy if you think about it, they can't afford to be judged by a jury of peers. They can't afford to yeah. be innocent. Which does not mean it's guilty. a fair trial. Right? They can't. Yeah. They literally cannot afford to mm-hmm. be innocent till proven guilty. Yeah. That so it's is- either either you have to pay and maybe get proven guilty or innocent or go and then you're pretty much yep. guaranteed going to jail. 100%. Wow. Dang. Yeah. Um, so I'm in there facing, you know, three decades just about in prison. I had never faced anything like that before. You know, it'd been, I'd been arrested for, you know, being drunk yeah. as a minor. That was like, I was arrested like three or four times for that. I was arrested for, you know, dem- I was a- arrested for like, for like a domestic, I mean, it was like a fight. I got in a fight with a dude, um, in an apartment complex. Um, I was arrested for a battery once, you know, things that, things that, um, you know, weren't too crazy. This was, this was the big, this was the big, big deal right here. So everybody's like, everybody is like, uh, um, whatever you do, don't, don't sign that first plea deal. Like the second one's always sweeter. Mm. They're going to want you. Who's telling this? The other inmates, right? And they're like, um, you know, don't sign. It's going to get better. Like whatever you do, do not sign it. Um, I had given my life to Jesus after that, right? So I'm arrested. I'm withdrawing. I have a radical encounter with Jesus. I'd love to know the story on that. How's that come about in jail? Um, the only thing that I remember, cause I mean, it's just so foggy. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, uh, the only thing I remember is being on the phone with my mom and her essentially being like, it's the rest of your life. Mm. Like, is this really what you want for yeah. the rest of your life? And I was crying. I was like bawling my eyes out. And I wish that I could say that like the physicality of it, I wish that I could say I like saw angels and it was crazy. Mm-hmm. I just remember thinking like, man, Jesus is the only way. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna follow Jesus. That's what I'm gonna do. Um, I guess at that point you probably didn't have any other options. I did not. You're like you have might as any well other options yeah. at all. And I had been raised in the church, right? My dad was a pastor when I was a kid, up until I was like seven. You know, um, my parents obviously loved Jesus. Went to that Southern Baptist boys' school where, you know, um, 
I was shown a whole new side of Jesus that was awesome. So like um, Christianity wasn't foreign to you by any means. It was you there. Know, you I can even, hear like, it when you're listening to the yeah. story. It's yeah. there the whole time. Yeah, right? even like it's crazy. Like I got involved with my church before being kicked out of school. Like I went mm. on a missions trip with my church. My pastor, Tim Veenstra, if he ever listens to this, huge shout out to Tim Veenstra, like was the dopest dude ever. Um, dude, one of the pastors there, Derry Prinker, he would call me when I was in boy school because they wow. knew that I was – so he would like call me just to have like little conversations so that I wasn't like freaked out yeah. when I came back to earth. You know, um, there was like Sam Olson, another youth pastor, like all these dudes super intentional with me. But it wasn't until the breaking point. It wasn't point. it, bro. It just wasn't like I needed something else. Yeah. And so it was not foreign at all for me. I just knew in that moment that it was either – I was going to die. I was going to spend my life in prison or I was going to give my life to Jesus. And when you're faced with something like yeah. that, you're just kind of like, duh. Yeah. yeah. And it seems like throughout this story, just getting to know you, that's your personality. It has to be this or nothing. It right? yeah. really. And so I went balls to the wall with Jesus. I became your classic, you know, whatever. I didn't really know what I was doing because mm -hmm. I had never really truly, you know, it, I never accepted Jesus in the idea of it. Because it would just get in the way of me doing what I wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. I believed in Jesus ever since I was a little child, for sure. Like, deathly afraid of even not believing in Jesus. Mm -hmm. It just would get in the way of me doing what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, so I went balls to the wall, right? And obviously gave up drugs. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm in jail. Everybody's telling me not to accept this first plea deal. And I'm like, I got you. I won't, obviously. I go to meet with my public defender. Public. Oh, okay. okay. Public defenders. So I go to meet with her and I'm straight up like, I don't, I don't care what you're about to slide across this table. I don't want it. Send yeah. it back. And she goes, no, you're going to want to, you're going to want to sign this one. And she signs, she slides this paper across the table and everything was gone. I still to this day have no idea how every single charge was dropped. Wow. But everything was gone. Because multiple felonies. I keep saying fennelies. <laughs> multiple fennelies, yes. <laughs> so you're just looking at a blank piece of paper? I'm looking at a paper that literally says I'm in trouble because I was high in public. Really? Oh gosh. Straight up. Straight up. Like, and I still to this day, dude, I've had people like, question what had happened i've had people like other convicts that are like you're lying bro like challenge the fact that i was even like arrested for those things really and i'm like no i'm telling you i was arrested for those things i was looking at doing the next three decades in prison yeah and it was all gone what was the sentence like it was like public intoxication that's what that's, I, that's what i got charged with so it was like <laughs> it was like it's essentially, the paper said you leave jail today and you do a year of probation. Wow! Yeah, straight up. And, and how long had like, you been in at this point? Uh, three weeks. Oh my! God. That's crazy. So from thirty Two years weeks. to three weeks. Yeah, straight up. So I signed it. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. They're releasing me from that jail that day. Like I'm about to hit the streets, right? And I have nowhere to go. So I'm like, I'm gonna just go. I'm gonna go do drugs. Oh my gosh. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's that quick. 
Even after having this radical encounter with Jesus, it's that quick, right? It's just the only thing you knew at that point. Only thing I knew at that point. So I go up there. They're literally in the process of releasing me, right? And they stop me at the front desk. I'm dressed, ready to hit the streets. And they're like, "Um, actually, can you step into this room real quick? They pull me into the room. It's the drunk tank. I don't remember it, but I'm back in the drunk tank. And... They waited till I was in there. They went over the the intercom and they're like, you have a warrant in another city. So um, we're going to be taking you like those police from that city are going to come pick you up. And um, I was being transported to another jail for four months to do like a wow. four month sentence Wow! in this jail. Right? And what was that for? That was for the battery uh. that I hadn't served any time for. Um, I was supposed to like do probation or something like that and just never showed up, whatever. That was where my life really changed a lot. Um, and I realized that I was like still the same person, right? So Jesus came into my life. He changed me. I wanted to follow Jesus, but I had no idea how. Yeah. It's like, it's like black and white or it's like the, the most contrast change of life, right? Because Jesus is like selfless. He like embodies selflessness perfectly. He is the most selfless human to ever walk the earth. And then there was like little old drug addict who was like the most selfish human on the earth. Everything was about me and getting high. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm going to follow Jesus who is like the most selfless, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the fighting still continues in jail. Um, I got high twice. I got high twice. In jail? Snorted pills, yeah. Mm-hmm. Both times freaked out ran to the shower, scrubbed myself, hated it. Mm. Um, but it was like still the same person. You was know? that just like a moment of weakness? Um, I would love to say that, but it was like, I still wanted it. Yeah. You know, I just, nothing had changed. I had this radical encounter. And I do think like a lot of times we expect, we expect when we have encounters with Jesus for, for things to just be different but that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. And so that leads to like disappointment and a lack of change rather than mm-hmm. like really taking the time to choose what Jesus had did, had, mm-hmm. had done. Yeah. So my, I'm on the phone with my parents, right? And um, my dad's like, we're not going to pressure you. We're not going to make the decision for you. But we think that you, you should go to this rehab called Teen Challenge. Mm. I had been to Teen Challenge for a month when I was 18, Mm -hmm. and it was a horrible experience. It was just a bunch of thug leaders who were using ministry to get rich, Mm -hmm. didn't care about us, a bunch of, you know, thug students who were really just homeless people, you know, that wanted to do their thing and have a free bed. Yeah. And it was a horrible experience. That Teen Challenge was actually closed down for embezzlement. Oh, wow. Like a year after I got so, and I'm like, I told all y'all people this place was horrible. I'd be up in the school. The school is in like an old nursing home, right? Oh my gosh. Run down nursing That's home. That's creepy. So creepy. And I'd be up in the school and I'd see them roll up in like Benzes and like Cadillacs, <laughs> you know, Escalades. And, you're like, and I just remember shady. thinking like, bro, this is kind of shady. This yeah. Is yeah. That makes sense. Anyway. So when they brought up to going to Teen Challenge, I was like, no, that it's a corrupt ministry. Like, no, this is in a different city. This is closer to us. And they're like, our church, um, the church where all those youth pastors I mentioned, Mm -hmm. Napanee Missionary Church, um, supports it. Like, there's like a partnership. And we don't think Napanee Missionary Church would partner with 
a ministry that was corrupt. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> and my dad's like, well, what are you going to do? Like, you can't stay here. And this is like when the four months is coming to a close. Yeah. Like, you can't stay here. So I'm two months in. Sorry. They said that early on. Okay. okay. That's what they thought I should do when I get out. Two months in, it's my like fourth fight since being in jail. I had been praying. This is kind of crazy, but the verse for some reason, the whole like turn the other cheek was like really speaking to me. So I started like praying that the Lord would teach me to turn the other cheek because hmm. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. If anybody said anything wise. If I felt like I had to prove myself in any circumstance, immediate fight mode. Yeah. Um, and there was a like special needs guy in uh, my pod. Hmm. So to explain just to like, better explain this yeah. like if you've ever seen like 60 days in yeah any like sort of jail show yeah you have like the big room yeah the like common room is an easy way to explain it and then you have like multiple cells along the wall so he was in my pod right not my cell and i had a radio that my parents got me for like my birthday mm -hmm. or christmas whatever while i was in there and he was like bro i'll give you this bag of chips if you let me listen to your radio and i was like uh, duh. Yeah. I'll take a bag of chips. 100%. Mm -hmm. His brother was in that pot as well. And his brother came up to me upset after that and was basically trying to accuse me of, um, it's called extortion in the jail world. Like it's essentially you're taking advantage of, of a weaker person mm. for commissary for acts of service, whatever. And it was immediate for me, like a defensive response where it was like, you know, get on my face, bro. Like, that's not what I was doing, whatever. After that conversation, I felt convicted, you know, and I felt like what Jesus would do would be go and talk to this person and make things right. Mm -hmm. So I go to his cell to talk with him. I don't know if it was my body language coming in. I don't know if it was just him, but he went straight to fight mode. Mm -hmm. And I tried every single thing that I could to not fight him. Like he was punching me in the face. He was kneeing me and I was taking it. I mean, wow. he was not, he was not that small, but he wasn't like as big as me. So yeah. I was just eating it. And then, uh, he started biting me. He started biting my finger Dude. Oh, gosh. and he was, uh, he was grabbing my, he was grabbing my, my balls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hard. And, and you're like, dude, at this point, at, <laughs> yeah. this, point, at this point, I was like, I'm, I can't, I can't take it anymore. Yeah. For me, it was like the idea of my finger losing a finger. Yeah. All of a sudden, I was so he's like, gonna like bite like, your finger off, dude. He was clenched oh. down. Like, he was clenched down on my finger. Yeah. Like it <sighs> tore. It like pulled my nail up. Like, yeah. So I hit him and I, I whooped him. And he had headbutted me in this fight. Like, if you get hit right here, that's why you see a lot of fighters bleeding for bleeds this a part. lot. Yeah. Because like, there's this part of your skull that that sticks out a little bit, and it, if that gets hit, you're bleeding. Right. Yeah. So he had headbutted me there and I'm bleeding and we, you know, the fight's over with people run into the room and they're like COs, correctional officers are on their way. So I run back to my room and I'm like trying to get it to stop bleeding. Um, and I could not get it to stop bleeding. Mm -hmm. So the COs obviously come in, see I'm bleeding, handcuff me, take me down to the sick. What's that? It's like jail within a jail. Okay. You're in the hole. Gotcha. The hole is a good way to say it. So I'm in the hole 30 days. This is. This is uh just like the pitch black thing. Um no. No. Okay, okay. You're on twenty four hour lockdown. Okay. You're in a cell, they let you out to shower, they let you out for like an hour to make a phone call, whatever. 
You don't have like going out into the yard or anything like that. Nothing. Mm. Well, this is another good. This is another good point about the jail system to bring up. Most jails they don't have outside activities. Oh, really? You're indoors twenty four seven, dude. Yeah, yeah. The best you'll get is a room that has open windows like twenty feet up. Mm. Mm. You know, that's the only sunlight you get. Pretty much only sunlight you get. That's raw sunlight. Nothing. You're not seeing the outdoors at all. Wow. So then you go even deeper when you're in the hole. Mm. It's like there is no open windows. There's no fresh air. You don't get anything like that. You're in a, you know, I would say like eight by five cell, Mm. eight foot by five foot cell for 23 hours a day until you're done in there. And uh, that was the most quiet my life had ever been. It was like everything was so fast up until that moment that like everything just kind of slowed down for me did that feel like the longest month of your life yeah it was horrible it was absolutely horrible at first um i stumbled upon a book called love does by bob goff and uh it used to be a lot more popular than it is now um but uh essentially he is breaking down that love does right it's not a descriptive word it's an act like it, it's an action mm-hmm. yeah verb love is a verb right and he tells all these stories from his life that were actually like really dope like he did really cool things and it all had to do with like loving jesus and loving the people around you so i read that and i was like oh so like i'm not gonna have to be like a cliche if i love jesus mm-hmm. and that was like way less scary for me was the fact that i could still be a crazy dude right mm-hmm. I could still be who I am, all these like things that God has created to me, but I can still love Jesus. Yeah. And I think for me, that was like a turning point because then I just wanted to love people. Mm. I wanted to do whatever I could to love people. I just had no idea how. So I'm in this cell for like 30 days. I miss Thanksgiving. I'm in there over Christmas. Mm. That was like the first time I'd ever really experienced that. And, uh, Dude, my only view was like this window that literally looked out on a dump. <laughs> literally looked up on the looked out on the county dump. That was my only view. That was, was a they put that there on purpose. Yeah, hundred percent was a literal dump. And let's go even deeper. This jail, Elkhart County Jail, is built on top of the old dump. Oh gosh! So it just there was bad. a spider. Even worse, a brown lacoose no. infestation in this jail. Oh my God. People would wake up with brown lacoose bites. That's yeah. the most deadly spider in America, right? Yeah. You know so. Josh's relationship with spiders. Uh, I'm petrified of spiders. It's Me too. Petrified. Deathly afraid of yeah. spiders. My wife kills spiders in our house. Same. Same I with her. kill spiders. <laughs> deathly, <laughs> deathly afraid of spiders. Here's what I'll say about the Elkhart County Jail now, is they do have a lot of really dope initiatives and... They're doing a lot of incredible things, still a part of a very corrupt system, mm-hmm. but a lot of really awesome people trying to do some awesome things in there. But yeah, I'm in the hole. That's when I decided to go to Teen Challenge. Mm. That's where I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I'm praying. Dude, I had hair down to like here at the wow. time. was like obsessed with my hair. <laughs> I was aware of the fact that, well, in my Teen Challenge experience, they shaved your head when you okay. first came in. So I was like, Lord, I can't shave my head. I, I can't do that. Um, in Teen Challenge, you can't listen to secular music. Mm-hmm. That's not a thing. You're, you're cut off. I love music. Obviously, I've loved it my whole life. Um, in fact, to, to, to pass time when I was in the hole, 
I would literally just write song titles that I could remember. I would really? like pick a band. I'd be like Nirvana, and then I'd write as many songs as wow. I could remember, just to keep them Eminem, in your mind. As many, yeah, just to like do something. I'm like, I can't give this up. I love music. Yeah, and the Lord's like, you gotta do it. You gotta do it, man. How old are you at this point? Nineteen. Nineteen. So, so like, this is the first time you're considering being willing to give something up for a relationship. Wow, hundred percent. Wow. And I think that was huge for me as I was like battling with the Lord, um, and that was like my first real struggle with the Lord. And we went deep, man. And um, I ended up deciding to to go to Teen Challenge, fill out the application, you know, send it in the mail or whatever. Um, the jail wouldn't let me get on the phone to call them. I'm trying to like better my life, right? Mm -hmm. I'm out of the hole at this point. I'm back in population, general mm -hmm. population. I have to do a phone call interview with Derek Lyons, the intake coordinator for Teen Challenge, mm -hmm. who's also one of the dopest. Shout out to Derek Lyons if you ever listen to this. One of the dopest humans I have ever met in the entirety of my life. Wow. Um, this dude drives to the jail <laughs> to meet with me in person. That's so cool. Because they wouldn't let me do a phone call. Wow. So I'm calling my parents. I can't call Teen Challenge with a jail phone. I have to call with like a main desk phone. Mm. right because you've seen it in the movies and all that it's like so and so is calling you for, yeah teen challenge can't accept accept phone calls like that oh it's like i don't know why there's a whole reason so this dude Derek lyons drives from the center to meet with me in person i love that we meet we talk i mean i felt like we vibed i don't know maybe Derek <laughs> will like listen to this and be like i don't know bro but um you know I end up getting out um, February eighth of two thousand seventeen. I get out of team. I get out of jail. The Super Bowl is that Sunday, mm -hmm. and I'm kind of looking for an excuse to not to not go to Teen Challenge just yet, you know. So I'm like, um, I think I got out on like a Thursday or a Friday, three a.m. something like that. I tell Derek I'll show up Monday. And Derek has told me, you know, he was like, this dude's not showing up. Yeah. That was his thought. Um, but I went. And that is really what changed my life and set me on the trajectory. So you made it that whole weekend? I made it, dude. Where was the first food spot you went after you got out? Bro, dude. <laughs> a good question. My parents took me to a diner called Callahan's. Oh. And if you are from Elkhart, Indiana, you know Callahan's. Okay. It is the spot. Bought. Just what the name Callahan's, I know the food is good. What was the order? Straight oh, out of jail. I got like one of those like, you know, like egg bowls, you know? Oh, like, yeah, like a hash bowl. Hash bowl, bro. Changed my life, bro. <laughs> Dude, I just remember being so happy. Yeah. Cup of coffee. It was like five in the morning. My parents still came and got me. We're eating good food. It was Super Bowl weekend, bro. So I ate like good, good. Yeah. You know? And you're like, I'm going, team. I'm going. It's, it's it. I'm, I going, good. I'm ready to go. I'm going. <laughs> So I, I go Monday, um, and that was, you know, I met, I met the dudes that would like really show me Jesus yeah. in a lot of ways, you know, Andy Collins, who actually, he like officiated my wife and I's wedding. Andy is my, f with the exception of my wife, my favorite human on this planet, Andy Collins, Eric Swanson, he dude was my guy. He he was like the programs manager of the of Teen Challenge, so he was in charge of like all the interns, the the like schooling, mm -hmm. the teaching, all that. Like that dude poured into me like no other. Wow. I have still to this day had some of the hardest, deepest, realest conversations like 
Eric Swanson, when I think of like real deep heart work, yeah, I think of Eric Swanson's. Derek Lyons, like I mentioned, Josh Eaton, who like taught me to lead worship. He was like the one that like put a guitar in my hand. Wow. It was like, mm. you're actually, um, his wife like pulled me out. Her name's Arlette, coolest human. She's from Guatemala, coffee person, whatever. She's like, um, this is after, I mean, this is like a, a year and a half in, but like, like Josh and Arlette were the, were the ones that like God's called you to be a worship leader. Wow. Like we've had these visions about your life. Josh gave me his guitar, wow. you know, like, so he was where I like learned that, um, you know, John Z, he was like an intern at the time, poured it, all these dudes, man, like Matt Slayball, he was like the work coordinator. He was in, cause we would like work every day for mm. a few hours. Mm -hmm. He like was not just like a friend, but like a brother to me. You know, always was willing to have like hard discipline conversations with me, but yeah. also like bro out at the chance. There's Andy Bowman. Sorry, there's there's these people where yeah. I'm like, if I yeah. say one, like I can't have to ever. Say them all. Dude, yeah. Andy Bowman was like so I, I ended up interning mm. and Andy Bowman was like the guy ahead of me. Or he was like the one that was like above me directly. He was like my like my person I reported to. Yeah. Bro, this dude displayed more patience for me than <laughs> probably Probably up there with my parents. It's wow. really patient. Yeah, I was a I was a little butt. Even in Teen Challenge, I was a little butthole of a human. And uh dude, this dude like he would like pick me up, take me to the gym. He would like wow. pick me up, take me to breakfast. Dude, every now and then he'd just be like, Bro, I want to take you to the mall and just buy you like an outfit type That's thing. That's so cool. Yeah. So there was all these guys that like brought me in to the family. Yeah. It was so hard. So so I get to Teen Challenge and I'm like a student at this point. And everything is stripped away from you. You know, you don't get a phone. You don't get a boo. You don't get like your own schedule. You are a grown man wow. being told what to do at every part of your day. And yeah. I needed that. I really did. I needed that. Yeah. That was exactly what I needed. Um, so, you know, you would wake up at like 6 a.m. You would clean the dorms. I think that was the first thing we did. You'd wake up, clean the dorms. Yeah, right off the bat. Wow. You're waking up, you're scrubbing a toilet, bro. Mm. 6 a.m. Then you would go, you would eat breakfast. Then you would do devos for 45 minutes, right? Then you would go do work duties till noon. And then class started at 1. And then you would have class till 5. What was class? Yeah, so there, the first one would, would be like some sort of like Bible, more like teaching where they're like kind of more talking at you. Yeah. Not in like a rude way, just like that was more like the layout. Like we would do something like that. Then you would do um, what was called PNC, personal, personal something, right? So you're in a, you're in a desk cube. I hated it. Mm. It was homework all over again. It was mm. school all over again. I hated it. And then after that, it was, it was called GNC. So it was like group. I can't, I don't remember what the NC is. I'm assuming the C is probably connection. Of something like that, yeah. you know? Um, and that was where they would teach you daily things. Like, this is what it looks like to go out and work a job and love mm -hmm. Jesus. This is what it looks like to be married and love Jesus, whatever. Then after that, we would have dinner. And then after dinner, we would either have free time, we would have church, or we would have, my favorite was, uh, we would have rec night. Mm. So we play basketball, nice. basketball, pickleball, volleyball. That was like my favorite night in the whole week, man. That was once a week. It was once a week. 
That's it. So that was like the weekdays. On Saturday, we would work until lunch, and then we would have the rest of the day free. And then I think Saturday nights, we had like movie night. They would show a movie. Sunday mornings, we always had a rally. So this is where most people have heard of Teen Challenge is because Sundays, we would like go to a church, and okay. we would like share testimonies. Mm. We'd have like a choir. We would sing like a like a like a song. Yeah. And then after that, we would have like visits. If you had been there long enough, your family could come visit. Okay. And then uh, free time. Wow. So, so this this goes down in 2017. You yeah. get into this schooling. How long are you in this schooling yeah. for? Um. So that's a year program. So um, I graduated um from the student phase. It would have been like uh like around February of uh. 2018 okay wow. and then uh at that point i decided to do like an internship so it's like your 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 path to becoming like a teen challenge staff member okay type thing and that was even harder for me than being a student because i had to i had more freedom at that point i had to like make decisions for myself yeah and i didn't make good decisions bro it was like still a struggle really yeah i wasn't like using drugs i wasn't drinking i wasn't doing that it was just like you know, I think it, like a continuance of the identity problems mm-hmm. yeah. where, you know, and I didn't want to do the work. I didn't want to do the schoolwork. I didn't want to do the hard stuff. Um, Still a lot of pride, like horrible, horrible pride issues. I didn't know how to lead and I was like a leader. So I wasn't a good leader. I wasn't helpful. I would get angry at the students. You know, I would, I would get short. I didn't want to give them my free time. I didn't want to give yeah. them like my friendship. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to do that stuff, you know? Um, and, um, you know, even as an intern, I wasn't allowed to have like a girlfriend, but I was, you know, Snapchatting and yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I had that type of stuff and, um, all like behind the backs of like the leaders. And I think that was like the most hurtful thing for them is all this, like all this energy and love they would pour into me. And then again, I would just like sneak these things in. Yeah. Um, were you allowed to have a phone as a leader? Yeah. Yeah. So once I was an intern, until I got in trouble one time and Eric Swanson took took my phone away from me. <laughs> I think it was like three months. Like oh, my a month, gosh. Three months. I couldn't have No it. joke. Dude, as as a, because you were 20 at the time, I'm assuming. I was 20. As a 20 year old, I feel like getting your phone taken away from you just wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't help That's anything. As, as horrible as you think. that That is as humbling yeah. as you think it is. It is very humbling, but it was like what I needed 100%. Wow. And he was willing to do that. He was willing to do that for me. To yeah. take the risk of being like, yeah. getting fought against, I feel think like. Think about it because yeah. you, you can do these things. You can take these things away from people and they can just leave. Mm. Yeah. I know so many of my, so many of my friends that I was in Teen Challenge with, they left and they're dead now. Really? You know, they graduated. They did exactly what I did. They're dead now. So as a leader in that ministry, like, I could make this decision and they can, you know, get mad and leave and they can die. Yeah. And it's not your fault, but like, willing to make those hard decisions and watch me fall on my face yeah. it's because like this could either really help you or set you back but it's like if it's the only chance that could help you, you have to take it 100 and wow. that was i think the thing that really like set these dudes apart is they were willing to do those hard things yeah but they were also willing to like spend their free time with me yeah selfless, selfless dude leaders. so yeah. like not perfect by any means but so selfless like the amount of times that like josh eaton would like take me out to lunch invite me to his house spend hours with me just yeah. having conversation eating food but then the next day take something from me 
you know, willing to sacrifice, like be awkward and like make those hard decisions, like all of them willing to like do that. Was that your first experience with like selfless disciplinarians who was like, who are going to be really intentional with you, but also be really strict with you? Yeah. I mean, Pastor Bosley was definitely that for me at Master's Range was definitely, but that was like one person. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden I'm surrounded by these men willing to do this for me. Like that changed my life forever. Wow. Yeah. I, to this day, uh, Josh Eaton called me just like a couple of weeks ago and we chatted, you know, Andy, like he did our wedding and it was like the most beautiful, like couldn't ask for a better human to do our wedding, you know, to this day still reach out and we'll like chat from, obviously we're all busy. So yeah, I only do it so much, but wow. So this happens in 2018 fast yeah. forward to today. You're sitting here on the show. If we have teenagers who are listening that maybe are in a similar situation, not to the same level, what would be something that you would like to just have them hear? I think the temptation is to first off, think you're the only one that has this problem, mm-hmm. whether it be petty issues like my mommy and daddy don't like me to like the most extreme legitimate issues. The temptation is to believe that you are the only one struggling with that or are in that scenario. Yeah. And that's just not true. And that people just don't understand. Dude, either other people, they just don't understand. They just don't tell you. They, you don't, you just, there's so many people in the same situation. You're not alone in what you're going through. And I think the main thing that I hear today or that like comes to mind is it does get better. Like, and it can get better. Like if you're like a 12 year old kid with depression, if you're like a 15, 16 year old kid with depression, like it does get better. Like, and life does move on, you Mm -hmm. know, like, um, I was able to do like, I ended up doing missions for like two and a half years, like, and see like revival and, you know, all over the world, you know, and then see like Jesus move in the most crazy ways, dude. Like I can't even, that'd just be like a whole nother. Yeah. 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 A whole nother thing. And then, and then I would like stop and be like three years ago, I was shooting heroin. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it doesn't even have to be that radical too. Like you might just be sad and then like look forward to three years. You're like, good. Yeah. You know? And I like, still have struggles yeah dude like i get depressed from time to time not like the cute like trendy depressed like sometimes man i'm like whoo dude life is hard you know and i'm like married now and that comes with its own yeah journeys you know it's like i love my wife and i love being married and like but it's also like there's like struggles in that like yeah you're like doing life with another human and there's some really intense, hard conversations and healing that comes with that. But it's like, dude, I was like a heroin addict. Like I will gladly yeah. figure yeah. this out. Yeah. Like, and I see all these ways that God has blessed me with just having like a companion like that, someone that knows me better than anybody. Like, you know, when I get down from when I get done here, like I'm gonna go hang out with my wife. Yeah. And we're gonna like either like watch a movie, we're gonna like make some baller food, like I have tomorrow off, so I'm going to, like, really party with my wife tonight, yeah. mm-hmm. kick it. What the heck, dude? Like, right. it does I thought point better. Like, about, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. I have an awesome job with, like, some of the coolest, like, literally, like, the coolest. I work with the coolest people yeah. in the world slinging, like, top-notch coffee. Yeah. yeah. You know? And if it can get better for me, 
the old adage is like, if God can do this for so-and-so, they can do it for you. Yeah. That's the old, that's, I remember a Judas Smith book that like started with that and I just underlined it and I was like, me. Like if God can like do that for me, there really is no situation that God cannot, you know, cannot bring people out of. Yeah. The last thing I would say is if you're going to do it, do it. Like it's not trendy these days to be a Christian. It's just not. And that's okay. It's not supposed to be. It's really not supposed to be mm. trendy. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. it's not supposed to be a trendy thing. It's not supposed to be cute. You're not supposed to be popular. It's not how it works, right? You're yeah. supposed to be different. You're supposed to look different. You're supposed to be different, whatever. If you're going to do it, do it. Yeah. Like if you're going to be a Christian, like love Jesus, mm. you know, love people, be willing to be radical, you know, go do something about it. Don't just like settle for like, I'm a Christian. Yeah. Like do something like dive into your heart. See what God has made you passionate about and do that. For me, like coming out of Teen Challenge, it was missions mm. and worship. Yeah. I wanted to do worship in the nations. I wanted to go to like the boonies of Africa and I wanted to like see worship happen. Yeah. I, Turkey was the other big place. You and know. that's been your personality through the whole story. If you're going to see it, really see it. Dude, I like, you know, it was for, for my wife and I, it was the Middle East. Like we wanted to go to, to some really hard and crazy places you know, obviously, if you're aware of what's going on with Turkey right now, yeah. pray for Turkey. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, we did it and we saw like revival happen. And I don't care what anybody says. I know this isn't like what people like to hear these days, but Jesus really does change people's lives. Yeah. And, and Jesus is after young people's hearts. True. He's after like the confused and the hurt and the broken kids. And he's after he's after you, you know, and we saw Jesus absolutely changed these people's lives forever. Yeah. I still get WhatsApp texts by the dozens. <laughs> wow. Like, hey man, how's it going? Like the Jesus is doing this. Coffee shops in Istanbul, like baristas in Istanbul, like, you know, like relating over like working in coffee shops That's and sending so, yeah. texts about Jesus, you know. So the point being is like if you're gonna do it, like go do it. Like don't yeah. be ashamed of it. Don't hide it. Like don't do this whole like I don't call myself a Christian because like you know, whatever, like yeah. be a Christian, be like sold out. I'm not saying like one of the weird political, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we yeah, don't yeah. need any more political people like, <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. to be quite honest. Like all that is for the birds, but yeah. like love Jesus and love the people around you with your whole heart and be filled with that. Like, I don't really need to like be high anymore because, you know, I laugh a lot mm -hmm. and I, you know, I have a lot of really fun Jesus moments that kind of like. I don't like the whole like high on Jesus. That's not really my, <laughs> but essentially like I'm filled up on that. I don't really need it. Yeah. And I don't think like, I don't think half-assing it works. I don't think that's yeah. ever what's going to work, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so that would be my thing. If you're passionate about, I think we live in a day and age where like this podcast is a really good example. Like yeah. you can have a podcast. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah. You guys are passionate about podcasting and it's like possible in this day and age. Yeah. 10 years ago, wasn't that easy yeah or even probably when you guys first started oh yeah it's true it's yeah not more, as more easy popular yeah it's more popular yeah like even since we started there's been because we were one of the first people to like fill the teenage podcasting yeah. area and since then there's been like thousands who have just started and it's gonna hit someone with a podcast yeah literally, yeah. literally. crazy dude video games 
Yeah. Bro, you can make money playing. If that's what you're passionate about. Yeah. Like you don't have at to that be, point, you don't yeah. have to be ashamed of that yeah. anymore. Like we live in a society where if you're good at video games, bro, like do it. Do it, yeah. Go do it. Passionate about coffee. Find a coffee shop. You know, if the things that you're passionate about, like go do that. And I think the other thing is like making sure that like we as like for me as like a twenty I don't see myself as like a like a grown person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I'm a child still. A lot of like that's how I feel most of the time, but for me, I feel a responsibility to champion that in young people. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. when they bring these things that might be like, I'm getting to the age where, um, dude, who was it? James Blake. If you guys have heard of James Blake, he's like a drum and bass artist. Okay. Mm-hmm. He posted the other day that one of his albums was 12 years old. That came out when I was in high school. Wow. So I was like, holy crap, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of getting to the point now where I'm a little unrelatable. Mm. young people sometimes i feel like a little bit of a geezer when Mm. i'm talking to like 13 14 15 year old kids yeah but i have like a responsibility to champion this newness yeah it is not on me to make them look like my generation that's stupid yeah Yeah. it's the like god has is raising up a new generation yeah each time and they're going to be different and it's not my place to judge. It's not my place to hold on to my old rituals. It's my, it's not just my joy, but it's my responsibility to champion these new things and these new things they're about. Like, um, it's super easy to get down on like TikTok and get down on entertainment and those types of things. But it's like, honestly, these kids are passionate about it. It's true. Yeah. Do it. Don't yeah. make it weird for yeah. them. Champion it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, great a very good point. And I think when you said earlier, um, you said that like things will get better. Yeah. I think for the people out there who think that it won't, I think it will get better if you try to make it 100%. better. It's not just going to f- fix itself. 100%. But like if you're, if you're trying to fix something, it's, it's going to get better yeah. eventually. 100%. Yeah. It's not going to be handed to you. Yeah. And if you're not ready to do the work, nothing's going to change. That's a sad message because that's sure. like, if you're not ready, you're not ready. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, but you have to be willing to do the work or else you got to call it what it is and say you don't want to change. Yeah, yeah that's, that's it. Well, I think that brings us to a close here. Yeah. Longest pod in the books, I think, you guys. Yeah. But Dom, I just want to personally thank you for sharing your story. I think yeah. it's going to have a great impact on our audience. Enjoy, man. I had a blast Fun here stuff. today. Yeah. So everybody, thank you so much for watching. Dom, thank you so much for being here. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode, please make sure to like the video, uh, leave a comment saying how much you loved hearing Dom's story, um, and also make sure to subscribe. And also, if you're listening on any audio platforms, please make sure to download this episode, give us a follow, leave us a review. Um, Don't do yeah. drugs. Don't do drugs. That is yeah. the main message. That is the final message here, you guys. That is a wrap. That's a wrap.